Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So I'm kind of getting sick of skill trees. Um, wait, is it because it's fall and they're putting all the leaves oh, on your goodness. lawn? I caught you totally off guard somehow <laughs> with this, even though we just talked about what we were going to talk about. <laughs> okay, no, no, no bad jokes. No, I mean, like, video games and having to do these skill trees and everything. Because I just played, aside from playing the entirety of the new Tomb Raider series, where they decided they needed to add skill trees in Rise and keep going with it in Shadow. You know, Spider-Man had skill trees. Darksiders 2 added skill trees. Like, so much that I've been playing, and then I'm watching Assassin's Creed Odyssey reviews, and it's like, oh, you can still be Assassin. There's a branch on the skill tree for it, rather than actually, like, making a game called Assassin's Creed be about assassination. So it's it's kind of getting tiresome to me. I'm getting it's, fatigued by it. Yeah, it's it's one of these things, right, where these RPG mechanics have just sort of crept in like an invasive species of plant and taken over <laughs> all, all, all these things in games where now you can't have a, an action game without having a level-up mechanic. And having a skill tree and everything else, it's even in your shooters now, right? And it's getting yep. kind of ridiculous where you just, you can't get away from... You can't have a game that... And, and, okay, what annoys me the most, because supposedly skill trees are about quote-unquote customization, only like Spider-Man. Most games are the Spider-Man route where it doesn't take much to unlock the entirety of the skill tree. In which case, you're effectively just holding gameplay hostage for the player to eventually like oh here's some of the good stuff um god of war was kind of like this now if you're not going to do a bunch of the side content you yeah you might not have everything but then like even shadow of the tomb raider and rise of the tomb raider you could do just about every you can get 100 percent in that game and only have like three skills you need to unlock still right so i think right so spider-man is a case where you have these sort of three categories and it's pretty much just the order that you unlock these abilities. Yeah. Are you going to unlock the perfect dodge giving you the ability to do an instant kill first or are you going to unlock the like ground slam first or whatever else it was? Yeah. That eventually everyone who plays the game to completion is going to pretty much unlock, unlock every, everything. Everything. Um, as opposed to, um, now I'm, now I'm, I'm brain dead here. Um, it's been that long since you actually had a game where skill trees mattered. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, to bring up an I'm example, e- um, on my end at least, Darksiders 2 is actually an example where if you try and unlock everything, you'll be good at nothing. Because yeah. all of its skill trees is more like a magic tree. And basically you kind of pick two and those are the ones you're mastering. And you yeah. can respec cheaply at any time, but and that's the thing. Like yeah. I actually kind of I'm fine with I'm fine a bit with Darksiders two going that route, though I think it also takes away from combat because like Darksiders one you go in and you have the sword it has a regular purpose, it's like an all purpose weapon. Right. The scythe it's weaker, but it's a great weapon for crowd control. And then you have the gauntlet, which is a very slow weapon, but it's really good for knocking enemies back. Right. So you can actually knock some enemies away and then take on another one. So each weapon has a use. Each weapon has a sort of like 
this is how and why you would vary it up in what situations. And Darksiders 2, really, it just feels like your regular old um, weak, weak, slow but strong attack. Or weak, right. weak, quick and fast but strong attack. Like, it doesn't feel as meaningful when you're switching up weapons or switching up which attack you're using. So, what I think is supposed to make up for it is these magic skills. Like, I have one that's like health stealing. Yeah. Where you just charge forward, you steal health, and it has like... You can level it up so it also explodes, and so it does this and that. So it steals more health from enemies. Right, right. And then there's also an ability to have that boost defense. And But you're you're limited. You're not going to... I, I vaguely recall, because it's been a long time since I played Darksiders 2, but you're, you're getting... You're not going to unlock everything in every branch of every tree. And if you, you try that, they're all going to be just, so weak right, they're not you're worth You're just going to have a bunch of weak abilities. So, okay, so you mentioned God of War. I think that's an interesting one because I felt like, so while it has the skill tree, it felt better than Spider-Man's skill tree. This won't be the last time we compare God of War and Spider-Man on the podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> um, you mean we're not going to do a Game of the Year discussion where this comes up? Who knows? <laughs> the... In God of War, I never felt like, uh, later in the game, like, oh man, if I'd only had these abilities earlier in the game, these fights would have been better, where it, the, the progression... Really? Really? You did not have that... Okay, the, well, the, the Blades of Chaos, yes. But that was a More than just different. that, dude. Even some of the axe abilities. It's like, oh, you know, when this would have been nice from the very beginning of the game when it was really, really dull. Like, I'm sorry, they, I think they both okay. had the same problem, well, where the okay. combat's very simple, but they, what, what they both... Okay, so uh, there were some, okay, I'll, I'll give you that, there were some, well, I guess what made it work for me in God of War, at least on a meta level, was that... Heavy meta? Heavy meta. Uh, the heavy <laughs> meta. Uh, that's like, uh, I, never mind. Anyway, the, in God of War... You are Kratos having retired from fighting for years, decades, I don't know. And so, so he's got to remember? You, right, that he's like, he's got to, he's kind of coming back to, into his, into his own, where in the beginning of the game, you know, the sort of the first boss fight, this other guy is actually going toe to toe to Kratos, where at the end of the game, when you fight somebody, that is similar to the person you fought early on, maybe. It all of now you're that was, Now you're trying to avoid spoilers after just outright being like Blades of Chaos. <laughs> okay. If, if you did not know about that, if you're listening to this podcast and you didn't know that those show up at some point in the new God of War, I'm sorry. Alright, that's that's there's zero of you, but I'm sorry that however six months later I've spoiled that for you. Seven months, however long it's been. Um, so, what were we saying? Okay, so right, whereas in Spider-Man, <laughs> you're, the, the, the story makes it a really, puts it in your face, this is... An experienced Spider-Man Spider eight years later. Right. And in the course of, like, two or three days, he suddenly, like, more than exponentially boosts his prowess as a warrior. Right. As, a, in his skill level. And that, that, and I will agree with that. Like a lot of it does feel like, oh man, 
we gotta make it feel like the player is earning some kind of gameplay reward. So here's a bunch of mechanics that really should have been present from the very beginning that they're gonna have to unlock. Right, we're locking behind. Well, and so the, the other example that comes to mind uh, when you were talking about exclusive skill trees was Infamous. Mm. Where you had a you had a good tree and an evil tree, basically. And you had to... Oh, that's a now, really weird... That's this, a, this is a really yeah. weird skill. But this is one that I, th I always felt it was well executed. Well, if a little bit... It, okay, it was a little bit overly binary. Where you were either yeah, well, good or thing, evil. It's, it's, and, yeah. and you had to... You had to make sure that you completed the good objectives on missions and didn't do the evil objectives and whatever else to... It was right. It was a little bit... Um, and Mass Effect does some similar stuff with Paragon Renegade, but that's another story. Um, but Infamous, it was 100% locked, locked in your skill tree based on how many points you were earning from the good or evil path, essentially. And you could basically max but, it out on your good on right, your you path can, easy. Yeah, you could max out the full path easily. But you could never access those other abilities, essentially. Yeah, you, 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 once you decided to be good, you were going to be good. And if you started to try doing some evil stuff, your evil powers are never going to be good, and you are never going to be able to unlock fully the good powers. Or, yeah. or, or vice versa, you know. If you, basically, if you were indecisive. Which is... See, that crosses over in morality systems, and that's a whole other topic. Yeah, the morality um, systems are definitely, and that's why I don't want to get too much into, into Mass Effect uh, on that one, because that's there's a lot of the morality stuff in there, too. But it, as a skill tree, and also in comparison to Spider-Man, Infamous was a game where you start off as zero. In Infamous 1, you have just received your powers for the very first time, and you're... And it makes sense that you're slowly unlocking them. I forget what happens in... But the, the beginning of Infamous 2 explains away why you lose powers. Right. Then, of course, Second Son, you're a completely different character. Right. Right, exactly. So so those games those games sort of... As, the, as, as superhero games go, it, it makes a little bit more sense than Spider-Man, eight years into being Spider-Man, is like suddenly like... Hey, you know, I could dodge like this, and then I could punch the guy yeah. really hard. Or wait, if I punch this guy really hard, I can immediately punch this other guy really hard. I mean, the only the only way I could explain it, if I wanted to make excuses for the developer, which I usually don't like to, is if you wanted to say something along the lines that basically... Uh, now that he's taken down Kingpin, like everything he's handling now is more difficult, and as such, he's going to adapt and grow in like parallel to the increase in challenge. Like he's got to overcome by becoming more. He's got to step up by basically. increasing his power. But it's still like a lot <sighs> of these like abilities. His... Like again, like what? But his his, is... his spider sense has no point until you unlock perfect perfect dodge. Then it feels like his spidey, spidey senses actually do something. Yeah. And eight years in, his spidey and his spidey senses should be well honed enough that perfect dodge is unlocked from the beginning, from the get go. Yeah, that's that was something I felt like, and just in general, yeah, the, the time slowing mechanics were something that was missing from from the game in general, where you got it with perfect dodge, you'd get that window. Yeah. And, like, you could aim your webs when you were in the air with a slowdown, but it didn't feel like... No one likes doing that. It doesn't feel like Spider-Man. No. 
It feels lame. It, it feels it like you're an experienced Spider-Man. It, it was necessary in a couple spots, but it mostly felt lame. Um, so, where, where am I going with this? So, anyway, yeah, <laughs> but, but like you said, it didn't... It felt like by the end of the game, you were the Spider-Man you should have been at the beginning of the game. Basically. Yeah. And then now you've also got, like, broken ribs and whatever else, like that you're dealing with but you're still you're stronger than you were before you had no sleep and broken ribs and whatever else now uh, on another angle though because right now we're giving a lot of crap to god of war and spider-man and there are other games that do this like yeah because we're going to insert skill trees and you're going to gradually get better at the gameplay because we don't have a better way to slowly unlock gameplay elements like we don't have good story beats to unlock new gameplay elements or like like how hard would it have been for when he's back at doc ock's lab rather than having a part of a skill tree be like hey you know with this i could do like i I could have more efficient web shooters so i don't know if i perfect dodge a guy i can launch in and like instant knockout like i don't know like why can't why can't you have like equipment enhancement that improves some of this stuff because you effectively, or instead of buying a gadget, why can't... And the game stops you to buy a gadget, too, actually. Right, of course. So it's already story-based. It's just like, here, we're going to have these mandatory ones, but then here's these optional ones for you. And it's yeah. like, why? So, why? So like, another another really big pet peeve uh, I was just thinking about, you're talking about locking game gameplay elements behind the skill trees and all of that, and that we've been doing lately... I'm a little deeper into it than you are at this point, but Destiny. Uh, Destiny with the, especially with the oh, yeah. Forsaken expansion where you've added, you know, they always did you, this. Yeah, you had, you had the, the, the Warlock that's got a support ability and like me and, me and our, our friend Nolan, you know, we play online. Right. I'm, I'm the hunter. He's the Titan. Our abilities are offensive. So we immediately get that melee ability. Whereas I'm grinding, grinding, grinding to unlock my next ability out of... There's four... So the way the, the system in, in Forsaken, when you get a new subclass, they added a new subclass for each element for each uh, class. I promise we're going to just have a dedicated episode for Forsaken. This well, is going to take long. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll don't do worry, that. Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'm just giving you the basic laydown. So you have to... You unlock one of those branches... In the campaign, and then, in order, and then you unlock additional ones via grinding for what's called a seed of light, that will give you the light to unlock the other two. Um, so, but once you get it, you need to use the abilities associated with that branch to get kills. So you get start out with like one ability, basically like a grenade, and you need to use that to get kills to unlock the rest of them. So, when, for example, the warlock. The new one of the new warlock branches is an entirely a support ability, and so unlocking the rest of that branch becomes a huge grind because you don't have any offensive things, and so that's an example. That is like a hang a give them a dunce cap and whatever yeah. else for for just bad progression systems where you you right. I have these other two branches subclass that totally work that I just want to use all the time, but I can't because if I use those. I'll never unlock this skill tree that I needed. And that's the thing. At this point, you just want to have all the abilities. And you've been playing Destiny enough that it's like, look, I understand why maybe in Destiny 1 you wanted to do this. Yeah. But at this point, like, Desti- like it's weird 
to have, okay, I unlocked my new class. I don't have all my abilities already? Yeah, my warlock's like, like 550 light. Especially because this is an expansion pass. So by yeah. now, like by the time you get to this point, even if you just bought the Destiny Forsaken package, it's like, you, you already know all this stuff. It feels pointless, but it's that RPG element, which, I mean, I guess Destiny's an RPG. Like, it's like a weird mm. amalgamation where you don't think of it so, as an RPG, even though it's got RPG elements, which... That's, again, one of those big AAA tendencies. Like, we can't just have an action game. We can't just have it be focused. It needs to have RPG elements for progression. Kids like that grind. It's spelled A-R-R-P-E-E-G-E-R-P-G. I don't know what it is, but we need those elements in there. (laughs) So, but no, I think Destiny is actually one of the worst offenders here because... And like in some places, so do you, I don't know if you remember playing Destiny One, and even in Destiny Two, I feel like this streamlined it a little bit. You get your your a new subclass, and you start out with no abilities for that subclass, no grenade, no melee attack. Even if you had unlocked it on entirely other every other ability for the other subclass, when you start, it's like you get nothing. Okay, now you've got to get experience until you can unlock all these other things but, but by, by the time, end you're level 50 which means every like it takes forever to get enough experience to quote unquote level up yeah which is exactly where spider-man is now and every time you level up you get one hit point if you're at level yeah, 50 if you're at level 50 yeah. yeah yeah so it's 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 that's sort of i feel like that's the the sort of the perfect picture of the bad skill tree is you yeah. have a you have a game where you can be max level and not have all your abilities that you need to have. Yeah, like and th- that's that's actually a good way to put it because the L- the the actual RPG aspect Destiny uses that works is that each character class has a different impact in battle. So I mean, there's general like especially in Forsaken and Destiny too. In Forsaken, and, and yeah. Forsaken, even like more. your support class, that's really useful. Yeah. I have my Night Stalker class where I tether enemies, and I never want to not be that class. It's never not useful. Yeah. It always is going to increase the amount of damage you do to an enemy. It has like the RPG elements here serve a purpose, but the problem is you're le- you're level fifty. You're in the end game content where these abilities are important they are key to success and they're going to keep them away from you yeah you have to grind them out and it's like you you just ruined the purpose of these rpg mechanics like sometimes it's just bad habit like going back into older because again like this is all about like oh skill trees are rpg thing well firstly like even if you're playing old console rpgs like uh final fantasy where Mm -hmm. Over time, the characters just learn... Like, Final Fantasy IV. Over time, the characters just learn the magic spells kind of a deal. Right. So, leveling up and everything... I mean, it was meant to balance... Like, here's the difficulty level. The enemies are going to give this much experience. It'll catch the player yeah. up. So, they're like, okay, it's tough at first, but then it becomes a basic challenge. And then, when you're, like, so high in level, you don't want to go back to old areas because... Well, it's too easy. You know, you, you want to push attack, forward. Attack. You like your forward. wizard is hitting somebody on the head with their wizard stick. They're one-shotting enemies. Yeah, it's like, you're my wizard. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're my wizard. It's, you shouldn't be able to do that. But 
now and then then I guess the Western RPGs though. When the Western RPGs like Fallout, Baldur's Gate, all these things based off D and D or some similar system came around, their skill trees were very specific. They were about specialization. Right. And this is where again, like Alpha Protocol is one I mentioned that because a lot of the Western games I was playing before Alpha Protocol were like Spider-Man and God of War, where if you do enough stuff, you unlock everything. You could be a master mm. of everything. So Alpha Protocol, I screwed up real early in that I was trying to be like, okay, I'm going to have like, you know, this gun, this gun, this gun. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. And Alpha Protocol, two guns max. It's like, you are good with two guns max. Be careful which ones you pick. Know what kind of situations you want to be good in. Know how you want to approach right. things. And if I remember correctly, you're also you're you're complementing that with your other abilities as well, which yeah. you're limited in. Um, Granted, the pistol was broken for boss fights. The yeah, pistol right. has an ability where you could slow time and aim for critical areas. I think I used that a lot. Yeah, that broke boss fights. But when you're up against regular schmoes, that ability has to recharge. So you want to have something reliable like a machine gun. Or if you're good at the close combat, somehow you have the shotgun. But, like, that's the thing. Like, th- there's actual RPG mechanics and there's actually specialization. And there's a, there's a, right, there's a point to it. There's a specialization. Um, and what it does is it creates a unique experience that maybe, in addition to, you know, that's a game that has branching paths and the order you do missions affects character development and other things but it gives you a reason a reason to go back and play again or it gives diff- just different experiences that we can talk about um so that's actually a, a like a tree too that you pick from not like a i don't know i mean i guess spider-man is a tree but it's just you get the whole tree yeah you don't you like get, take a branch you don't take a branch you take you the just tree. burn down the whole tree <laughs> you don't break off a branch and burn the branch I don't think burning is supposed to be the way it's viewed, but okay. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. to move on, to move away from that metaphor, <laughs> um, no, that 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 is part of it. But then you have, but uh, see, I have mixed feelings because the the biggest issue is being broad. Because one of the issues that happens is you have the Xbox 360 comes out. A lot of Western developers, after the Xbox especially, are suddenly like, oh yeah, man, let's put this on this console. We can actually increase the amount of people that we're, that are playing our game. And then you have all these people that never played these kinds of like more complex role-playing games are coming in. I don't get it. I can't be good at everything. <laughs> I, why can't I get... Why can't I be good at everything, man? So all of a sudden... And it, it stinks because I think now... Players are, like, more genre-savvy. Yeah. Like, now players are more genre-savvy, more willing to experiment. But you still have, like, that old time where, like, players were like, I I, want to be good at everything, man. And now it's like, okay, so we have to give you the ability to be good at everything. Like, again, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. If you're going to explore everything, if you're going to try and find everything, which I feel like is the primary target audience for those games at this point. Like, yeah, there's going to be people that like the Mm -hmm. combat, I feel like they're the minority. Two-thirds of the audience like everything but the combat. One-third of the audience likes the combat. Or, okay, yeah. I should specify, because the stealth combat's great. <laughs> everything else is like... The regular shooting combat is... But, anyways, that's, that's a whole other rant. <laughs> um, I wrote about the combat for Shadow of the Tomb Raider already on RamblePack64.com. You can check it out. Um, but... 
the real issue I have is by the end of the game, there's only three skills you won't have unlocked, basically. And it was the same in Rise of the Tomb Raider. They didn't fix right. it in Shadow of the Tomb Raider. And it's like, and, and most of them are combat based. Hmm. So it's like, okay, you're either making yourself better at stealth combat or direct combat. And anything that's for exploration is kind of like, well, I don't know why this wasn't already unlocked, but okay. Thank you for making me waste skill points, even though, you know, either it's like, oh, either I die less because I hate this stupid combat, or I unlock the ability that should be, like, unlocked from the beginning. And, like, one of them? So, eventually, you can, the story allows you to unlock the ability to kill kill enemies from trees. Like, not just jump down to them, but eventually, like, effectively kind of rope them up into the tree. But... Like the you drop back down. So, you have two levels of skill you need to purchase until Lara grapples the guy into the tree and then stays in the tree. Kind of like, what was it, in Spider-Man? There's the web strike where you hit triangle and you like... Oh yeah, the perch takedown, you gotta buy! The perch takedown, you gotta buy the perch takedown. Or at least you have to extend it. I'm trying to remember exactly. I think you got You might have to extend it, but I feel like you even had to buy the perch yeah. down. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same same thing, right? Where there are portions of the end game towards the end of the game, the stealth sections. There's no way you're going to be able to do that without the perch takedown and the enhancements to yeah. the perch takedown. And let's face it, even the Batman games are kind of like this because I feel like the Batman games. You were, because of the way the experience worked, I feel like you were more able to, okay, I'm going to, like, really early buy the stuff that really matters to me. Yeah. But over time, you're just buying everything anyway. Now, yeah, I would agree with that. I do feel like Arkham City, at the very least, no, not Arkham City, Arkham Knight, at the very least, it, you were, like, a pretty all-powerful, like, Batman at the start of the game. I feel like they have to pad it at that point. Yeah. Because like, they, they, they want to assume you've been playing these games. You're not just jumping in the first time. But at the same time, like, okay, I played Arkham yeah. City two years ago. Oh my goodness, I forgot all these shortcuts. Right. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah, that's a whole, a whole other, other thing. thing. But yeah, that was one where I at least felt, I'm like the Spider-Man problem, where I you felt, I felt like kind of like Batman started out and you're like, man, like this, like... You already had all the abilities, and much more quickly than in Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. Well, Arkham City, even, basically, everything that you got from yeah. Asylum, they kind of started you with. Yeah, I guess that's true. I feel like they just introduced the different enemy types a lot faster to make to force you to use, okay, I can't dodge this guy. It's like guy. Arkham City was catching you up. Yeah. Arkham City was catching you up, whereas Arkham Knight was like, okay, but you guys have been playing these games, you know at least these basic guys. Yeah. But any- anyway, so... Right, there's, they're just like I said, every it's in everything. Some games do it better than others. Some games do it more transparently than others. I guess you could say. Yeah, well, the, there's also again, like I feel like it, part of it is a broad angle, but I also feel like because oh, technically, a- technically, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I guess, does it well because you're meant to specialize in like warrior or assassin or all that. But in that case, I feel like that's... Because the games are getting so much bigger, that's more using the RPG RPG mechanics as a compromise to make it more broad. So Hmm. it's like, okay, so you sucked at assassinating for the past 10 years of this game being released. Yeah. 
we're going to allow you to just hack and slash your way through and call it an RPG. And you have to earn your ability to actually assassinate people. Which, to me, it's like, why can't we just have good games that are specialized experiences anymore? Why do those have to be the niche experiences? Like, or niche experiences, I guess. Why can't... It's like, okay, instead of making Assassin's Creed this massive 60-hour game, okay, we'll make it a 15 to 20-hour game that's not nearly as expensive and doesn't drive 300 people if you do it across the world. To, yeah. I mean, we just had the Red Dead Redemption 2 100-hour work week, like, crap going on where there's plenty of news of plenty of people that were like, yeah, basically Rockstar kind of, like, there are people in Rockstar that make overtime mandatory. Right. And it's uh, horrible working. And, and it stinks, too, because not only is this a regular thing, but you have, like, the J- like Japan... It's not just a game industry thing. It's just what they expect out of any kind of office employee. Like that is the work life they expect. You're working overtime because you got to show you're passionate and you care. Yeah. And it's the closest thing in America that really gets there. Is the game is the game industry and, and crunch and all of that. And yeah. I think part of it again is because I mean, and it does sort of lead to open world fatigue because how many. And again, I think it's like an old thing because Devil May Cry 5, you're going to be getting red blood orbs so you can buy new combos. Why are we buying new combos? Do we need this many combos? Do we really need to do this? And I feel like part of it is a sense of progression system, but also part of it is because I guess if you have all of those combos unlocked, then anyone that's button mashing is just going to be like, well... I don't know what's going on. I don't know what gets her to do that. that well, I'm thinking cool. Bayonetta. I think of Bayonetta. Bayonetta yeah. like, I don't know but what combination same... buttons I press to make her do that, but okay. Okay, it works. Yeah, there's. I think there's an element of that. There's an element of, of giving you something to work towards. And I guess I'm, it's funny because I'm more forgiving of it. And something like Devil May Cry is hard. I guess it feels hard to criticize because it's so meta. Um, especially like okay Devil May Cry 4 was kind of oh dumpster fire (laughs) (laughs) you have recently played it I only just started the first game today okay I I recently played it so this is one right so you uh, you start the game as Nero who's a new character yes who's not Dante who is like serious and stuff and he plays through the whole game. You play through the game basically one way, and everything's serious, and all the boss fights are tough, and everything else. And then Nero, something happens to Nero, whatever. And then you switch to Dante. It gives you all of your orbs and experience and everything else to Dante that you earned as Nero to reallocate and do everything else. Then you play through the game backwards as Dante, and Dante's just making fun of everything. And it's and so beautiful. That, it's, it's gorgeous. So, it's so amazing. Like, I hated the first half of the game. Then you switch to Dante. And, like, in the cutscenes, you know, Nero's like, oh, man, this is so tough. Like, I'm going to win this battle, though. And Dante's Give like, you're dead. you're dead. You're dead. You're yeah. dead. Like, <laughs> everybody's dead because I'm He's Dante. He's throwing a heart of roses at the wall, clapping they explode or something like that. Yeah, there's like, oh, and there's the one gun that has, like, eight different forms. And he's like... See, that's the thing, like... 
I I liked Dante as a character, and I liked how he interacted with the world. I hated his combat. I wanted I Nero's think, combat. See, I back. had I, I liked his combat because I played Devil May Cry three, so I was used to it. But so so you can kind of forgive them for any oddities just because of the way how meta the game is and the way it works. And they were at least experimenting with stuff right. at the time. And I think this is and this is part of it too, is the appropriateness of the skill tree for the game. So what I think of the perfect video game progression system, this isn't necessarily a skill tree, but the perfect progression system, I think in an elemental way, it's the the Metroid or Metroidvania style game. See, I thought you were going to say something completely different, and I was going to have to be like, well, for me, the Metroid or Zelda <laughs> style. And that's right. because it's really, it comes out, Metroid and Zelda are very similar. It's just Metroid side-scrolling. Zelda's top-down. But both of you require, okay, certain items will unlock special doors or gates yeah. or access certain areas. Uh, they unlock a new ability that will... You have will... items that increase health. You have items that increase... Ammo, I guess. You basically increase your arsenal right. as the game progresses. Like that no, that well, is you, my idea. Right. You tie every aspect of it together. Right? That's this is I'm saying this is the ideal. So you have your progression in the game, um, your character development is tied and both of those things are tied together for one. The character development and progression in the game are tied to it's all tied together. You need this ability, this item, this thing to progress in the game. And it's somehow related to the story of of this character. Obviously, in the you know 1990 form of this, it's a little bit different than how we would <laughs> hope to see it in 2018. But I think the basic idea is that I think we'll see it with Darksiders three. I mean, we'll see. I hope. Please don't do Darksiders two again. And that's where. So in the coming back to the the 2018 comparison. Where you might have... I haven't played Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I don't plan on playing it at this point after my experience with Origins. Um, so maybe I could say Origins, which was late 2017. Who cares? You Spider-Man, God of War, and Assassin's Creed. Where I see God of War, for the most part, even though there's, there's a skill tree and all of that, it felt like the abilities were tied to your progression in the story. There still levels and skill points. There were levels and skill points, but for the most part, I didn't do as much of the side stuff as you, I don't think. For the most part, it felt like a flow, and you had the abilities you needed when you needed them. Well, and, and it, you're, you're not entirely wrong, because the brand, like th there were levels to the skill tree, so you'd fill up the whole thing, but then it's like, okay, I'm done filling up level one. I gotta wait till the game unlocks level two. Right, and it also felt like the revelational abilities, for the most, as I would call them, mostly came with with plot development. Things like being able to use the axe and the other weapon that might be a spoiler at that the you've same already time. Said. Right, that was a that so that was revelational into the gameplay. In a similar way to well, some boy, of the perfect the, dodge They were similar in how I felt about the gameplay to like the perfect dodge enhancements and even the double, the back-to-back -back takedown abilities in Spider-Man, where it just changed the way you approached combat and other things because of how you change it, where in Spider-Man, that's locked towards your progression. And that you're just random progression. I did a hundred 
of, yeah. of crime. I stopped 100 crimes, and now I was able to unlock this earlier because I did that. Versus in God of War, where they tied it to story progression. Versus in Assassin's Creed, where that stuff just didn't exist, really. And the you, originally, no, it didn't. I mean, I mean, in the, even in the recent ones, where mm. you unlock ability, 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 but as you level up, very little ever felt, in, in Origins at least, I haven't played Odyssey, very little ever felt revelational. It just felt like the skill tree was was padding, padding and filler to to do things. Nothing, nothing I unlocked changed the way I played the game. See, what? So you, I, hold on, I got, I got. For God of War, your better example would have been Boy's Arrows, mm. because they do change how you how you use them in combat. That's true. They, but I mean that the 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 point you, you made your point though, and I guess. F- so I guess it was, I was just trying to say that I see that sort of being three tiers that we've seen just this past year is progression is just in there because we had to put it in there and it doesn't really matter. And I progression think- matters. But it's just, it's a whole other system completely divorced from the story. And progression and the story are linked in a meaningful way. Uh, but none of it's like, just... The like, old, even... Like, again, like, I think part of it is partially broadness. Because mm-hmm. I really do think right. these, these systems are being put in because they... I don't know if the developers believe it makes the games more complex, but they at least believe players will feel as if they're getting a deeper, more rewarding and rich experience rather than a game that's just straight up and forward with its mechanics. Mm. Or, and actually, here's here's a question, like, to diverge a little bit. Witcher 3 is a role-playing game. How does it handle skills? It's a, it's like a, it's a similar, it's a skill tree, level up based, and then there's also, um, and it's, it is somewhat um, exclusive, so you're not going to be specialization. A, you specialization, mean? right? Your specialization, um, and then there are, there are also items that you earn. I, it's been a while since I've been playing it. Now there's like mut- mutagens. You need to. It's a combination of leveling up, and then creating mutagens. Which enhance certain abilities. Uh, so there's so for for the most part though, it's a it's RPG. It's there's no there really isn't a link to to story progression that goes along with it. It's just you leveled up, you gained an additional slot to enhance this ability. You can now attach a better new more mutagens or whatever else to enhance Witcher or Geralt's abilities more. Interesting. Because something that I was thinking... Because, again, like, for you, just about every time we talk about something, Witcher 3 can come up as an example. Anytime. But for me, it's Breath of the Wild. And this is something I've thought about. Breath of the Wild was a 90-hour open world... Or at least, for me, 90 90 hours of open world gaming that I played. It does not have skill trees. Hmm. The closest it has, and it's a very simple Zelda game. Yeah, but it's not like the other Zelda games. Still Zelda games. You get all of your tools at the very beginning. Hmm. So it's not like, oh, you know, some hours and you get the hook shot. No, you don't do that. The very opening island gives you, okay, here's your bomb item. Here's your item that makes ice and water and towers. Here's your time stop, like a stop an object item. Um, like a freeze an object. Like there's like three or four tools that you use. 
four tools, I believe. And oh yeah, the magnet one, the magnet tool. You get them right at the beginning in the tutorial zone, and then you're off. What you do get is if you you either find the Korok seeds, which are very easy and very numerous, and those can be used to increase your um, inventory space. As long as you find the guy that you can increase your inventory space and. At the very beginning, he's only in one spot. It was a very bad idea on them on their part. <laughs> um, but then you have, and I played like three fourths of that game without any increase in inventory oh, space. I had not found him. I'm sitting there like, what do I do with these Koroxies? <laughs> <laughs> but there's also the shrines, and the shrines give you these orbs where you can exchange four of them to give you an extra heart or to increase your stamina. So you're either boosting your health. Or you're boosting your stamina, which is useful for climbing, running, and all basically world interaction. You're either increasing your ability for surviving combat or for being able to get around. And so this alone behooves you to explore because if you want to be better at exploring, then you want to find shrines. Or if you want to survive combat, you want to find shrines. But as you explore, you will also find new pieces of armor in certain areas. Or you will find new recipes that can be used to boost defense, boost resistance to cold, boost resistance to heat, boost um, your stamina. Like, there's all of these things that you can find within the game systems that don't require skill points, that don't require you to invest experience points into some system. The closest is, again, you get these spirit orbs, which are just... but. It's all mechanics based. Right. It is a more it is the most pure kind of system that is like, okay, what is at the core? What are people really chasing? And how are we going to make that meaningful? And so people just chase chase shrines to get more stamina and more health. And honestly, it really is more about getting more stamina. Stamina is so useful in this game because you can climb anything. <laughs> so I'm just like Maybe instead of in implementing a skill system, really think about how you want your game to reward players rather than just doing, like, or what activities you want to be rewarding. Like, what do you want to encourage the player to do, and how do you reward the player to do that? And the easiest, most simple way is just you can gain experience, which will give you skill points, and then you can buy more abilities. And then you can also you can take an open world game. And you can turn it into not an open world game by making the chickens deadly in part of the world because they're like 20 levels higher than you. And if you piss off the chickens, this is an Assassin's, Assassin's Creed Odyssey you. joke. This is an Assassin's Creed Odyssey joke. Yes. Okay. Where and you can, but but in all seriousness, you know, you can just do that. You can you with a level up system, you can say, okay, well, with damage scaling, you're level 10. You can't go to this level 20 areas in this open world game so you can you can also use it in addition to just being a simple way to to handle progression we level up you unlock a new, a new skill point and you increase your hit hp by 10 and your all your stats and, then, and damage see that's actually a question worth asking in order for spider-man to have unlocked more zones Let's say there's only like half of Manhattan that needs to be accessed for the story or something. Or maybe like there's only like a third of it that needs to be accessed for the first act. But then you can access other parts of Manhattan if you accomplish certain tasks. Like, I don't know. Like, well, well, I think see, what that would work. I'm thinking a bit more like um, Infamous, 
But right. that might only work for the final third of Spider-Man, where you where, have to... Okay, so where it could work for Spider-Man, I think, if, if you wanted to integrate... The something. final third with Sable. It right. really would have worked in the final third, instead of having all of a sudden you got to do prisoner crimes, or got to do this, like, yeah. be like, you know what, let's do it, like, a little bit like Infamous, only let's, less. Here's generic copy paste missions and more. Here are here's one specifically crafted mission for this zone that will allow Spider-Man to freely go through this zone again. Okay. I, what I was thinking too is you could have done something like having having the enemies more tiered, where all the enemies are essentially the same tier, just some are more like just different strategies essentially. For the most part. So, but like having something like early in the game, Each you fight the... thugs later than, than you unlock different districts where you would fight demons and then maybe have the Sable being, Sable agents being the top tier. But, but having a progression like that versus like you said, at the end of the game where you're like, well, here's prisoner crime and here's Sable being jerks and here's demon crimes and they're all just everywhere. You know what might have also worked as well and would have been really interesting, instead of having the regular story missions, I mean, each of the supervillains that's now out and free, each, like, uh, Rhino stomping around Hell's Kitchen, for example. Mm -hmm. um, Vulture's having himself a time uh, flying around Avengers Tower um, while they're out of town, obviously. Oh, right, right, right. Like, yeah, seriously. And just Spider-Man just has to, like, the player's free to pick who do I go after first? And that's, like, the story. Make it a bit more open. Think, like, like Final Fantasy VI, where the world of ruin, all of a sudden, you can choose where you're going kind of a deal. And you still have some scripted story missions and everything, but otherwise it's like, all right, player, you can, you've been in the open world, it's now more dangerous than ever, but you can clear a zone if you take out the supervillain there. And right. maybe the player will, if they want to stand a real chance, or like if they're having trouble, it's like, okay, let me go earn experience either fighting this supervillain or do a couple other of the side missions and then come back later when I'm stronger. Right. Like maybe something like that, where it feels like someone like someone's an actual threat, the villains are actually around the the city, and then finally you unlock your ability to go to the final boss. Like maybe I don't, I don't and know. And that's kind of like you have these, so you, you, you know, obviously they, they did things like adding, making gadgets, part yeah. of the plot and other but you feel like you have this, like, moment at the, uh, spoilers, whatever, this isn't a big spoiler, it's just like, you have this sort of moment at the end where you get a new enhanced super suit, whatever, that's like, this is what I finally need to win, and it doesn't really do anything that great that your others, like... The suit power is not that incredible on it, and it doesn't, it's not that great, comparatively. Well, you know what I just thought of, actually? Because I had just, right. last month, gotten and played Mega Man 11. Mm. One of the great things about Mega Man 11 is, once you figure out a good order to fight all the bot, uh, the robot masters in, it then becomes a matter also of figuring out where those robot master weapons are useful. And each level has a has a, at least one instance of a mini boss. Sometimes it'll have two, where it comes back, you know, more challenging. And against many of the mini bosses, I figured out, oh, if I use this robot master's weapon, I can actually take care of them more easily. And so you're kind of rewarded for that. And of course, each robot master, you re you're rewarded for finding their weakness. 
For those of you so, who are not familiar with Mega Man, the basic structure of the game is if that they're you listening can to our choose, podcast, they've played a Mega Man game. You can choose any boss to fight. When you defeat that boss, you get that boss's power. There's an ideal order to beat the bosses because certain levels will be easier with certain powers than others. And so, anyway, that's that's if you're missing out, if you're scratching your head right now about this, that's that's Mega Man. Go go like download an NES emulator and play. No, Mega just Man play 2. Mega Man 11. Just play Mega Man 11. It's play fine. Mega it's Man got 2. easy modes. Mega Man 4 2 is fun. Mega Man X or Mega Man 11. Four. Two. Don't, don't Two, and Two and four. Don't listen to him. His nostalgia is clouding his goggles. Anyways. Um, <laughs> Two and four. Anyways. I mean, my point, like, this is getting me just spitballing, like, but with... Let's imagine now for a minute that maybe defeating certain... Like, you got better certain gadgets for defeating certain of the supervillains in Roman parts like, of the city. For example, beating Vulture gets you an enhanced glide. Or gets you the suspension matrix. Or suspension matrix. Gets you the suspension matrix, which is useful for, against Rhino. Like, you could still beat Rhino without it, but Rhino's a lot easier if you're able to use the suspension matrix. Right. And maybe you could team work that with the trip mine as well. Like, just stick him with, like, 50 trip mines, and next thing you know, he's got a bunch of webbing, and he's hooked on the ground, and you can punch him in the face. Like, you don't need to do that, but maybe it's like, oh, we're going to implement this interesting way. So if you go back to replay the game, even on harder difficulties, it's like, oh, now that I know what I unlock, and now that I know this kind of stuff I can experiment with, and it gives more meaning to the gadgets, Mm -hmm. it... Give, it allows the gameplay to reward the player with substantial new gameplay, and also you give the player some freedom of choice, and it feels a bit more like, oh crap, here's all the supervillains actually wandering around, not just hidden away in a corner until I got to do this scripted story sequence. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's certainly better than what they did. <laughs> <laughs> that's an idea. I mean, so so as an example, as when you say like the idea of the, the villains wandering around, I don't know if you didn't really experience this in, in Forsaken, but that was something that felt really cool in my first playthrough of the campaign. Is in the mm. in the new area, so each of the boss fights has a. Has a public or each of the boss fights with this, uh, whatever the barons has a public area section of the fight, and so periodically you'll stumble into someone else's fight with one of the bosses. So all of a sudden you're like this, the mad bomber or whatever, and all of a sudden you get a, a, a notification to, to defuse the mine before it explodes. And you can help and someone then, out. Right, you can help you, and then usually. You know, three or four people who have all finished the campaign are now running over to help somebody else out with this part and and going on. Or, you know, you'll start getting sniped or something like that. Yeah. Where they, they integrated and it made it feel like, especially when you hadn't done those yet, when you were just doing everything else, like, oh, here are these barons roaming around the tangled shore causing trouble all the time. And I've got to complete these tasks for the spider so I can fight the barons. Where Spider-Man could have done something like that and probably done it better with a little bit of... And just saved it for the final third. So the first two thirds of the game are focused very much on the story and are focused on getting the player more used to the mechanics until that final third where Peter... And it would make more sense too, where if Peter's making his own gadgets, it's kind of like this part... And, and actually earning 
the final suit that he unlocked. Because maybe it's through defeating those guys that he's able to work through what he needs to do for the final suit he makes. Right. And, it, and again, and this is what, what I was talking about before, where you, you integrate all the different aspects of the game. You integrate the progression with the story. Now, granted, I always talk about The Witcher 3, and that is a game which has zero integration of progression with story. Uh, in defense of The Witcher 3, in format, it's a traditional RPG, and I think what we're talking about here is the way that RPG elements, and also open world elements, which we'll have to talk about another thing, have basically sunk their teeth in an infected every game now. Yeah, and if you're an open world game, you also gotta have RPG elements. You can't be an action game in an open world. Right, and so, right, it, and so we've got this, this, this thing, and it gets kind of frustrating because when you just shoehorn the progression system from Final Fantasy One into into your open world game, I don't think anybody's shoehorning Final Fantasy One anymore. But I mean, just but the basic you can gist only of it, cast Fire Two three times. I just I'm saying the basic gist of it that you you play the game and you level up and you get more hit points. And you hit harder, and then you can more easily defeat enemies because now you are higher level and you have more hit points and you hit harder. That being basically the core of the progression system. Yeah. And that being and the only thing that matters. Uh, so, right, we're obviously right. Most game progression systems are more complex than that, even the ones I would sit here and make fun of um, when you get killed by chickens. <laughs> but the. But the the goal is, like we said, to have to have gameplay and story and narrative more tightly coupled, and just have the gameplay itself somehow provide and a reward, it, right? And make it logical. Yeah, logical. Your reward, the reward, should be logical, and it should all be connected. Like, why didn't I actually get something related to re like? Like, you get research tokens for doing the research. Things should help Spider-Man breathe better in the smog. Firstly, that's like, uh, like even thinking about it, it's like, what would you unlock? But maybe a special suit, maybe a specific suit would be better. Maybe that. How about research a, tokens? How about a, a specific suit that protected you from environmental hazards, like electricity or uh, like the electric resistance suit? That actually won't be too bad. Or that the toxins from uh, what's his name, the scorpion, scorpion. Uh, yes. That kind of thing, right. Like, there you go. Or even the Taskmaster. Maybe he gives you a more combat-capable suit. Yeah, or enhanced dodging or something like that. Or like that, or maybe you could actually get the bowls for yourself as an ability or as a gadget. Web bowl. Well, I mean, it's webs. I don't know if that works. Anyway, I, well, regardless, either way, regardless. Either way, like, there's, a, there's, there's a million ways. And that's what's frustrating about a game like Spider-Man, right? Is because it's a great game. And, it's but, a good game. It could be great. It could be, yes, it is a good game that could be a great game. But if they were able to... And, if I, they were able to actually spend more time thinking about why are we doing it this way. It's, and so, it's basically just because this is how open world games work. This is just how these right. games work. And it's like, you know what's great about Breath of the Wild? They started actually as what can we do with Zelda? And they went back to the original Zelda game. 
They weren't trying to make an open world game like other games, even though, yes, there are towers. Yes, Ubisoft. Yeah. But look, towers were not necessarily a bad idea. Nintendo did them well because you're still looking at the landscape yourself and thinking, I want to add a pin there because I want to go there. That's what Zelda does. Like That's what the purpose wait, wait. of the tower is. It gives, if you climb a tower, you unlock, like you could see some of the map. Because otherwise, it's just black on your map. Right, like like Horizon Zero Dawn. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, only they're, the not, is, they're not giant techno dinosaurs, though. When you're they? at the top, no. When you're at the top of the tower, you physically look around you, and you can see stuff. They make sure you can always see something on the horizon, and like this is the actual design. Like the the developers wanted to make sure whenever you reached a landmark, you could see other landmarks. So you're at the top of this thing, and you can see a whole bunch of landmarks. Whatever interests you most, you can add a pin to. So you have your you manually control your own objective marker. Go there, and from there, you can add more objective markers. You can you can just find whatever you want to find, and it works so well because the game's not giving you experience points for it. The act of climbing the tower alone is a reward. So, just like the act of jumping on the techno dinosaur by itself. And for those of you who are just tuning in, uh, this maybe sort of goes back to an episode Chris and I recorded about a year and a half ago. Where I didn't really like Horizon Zero Dawn that much. I think it was earlier this year. It was earlier this year? No, it would have been last year. Yeah, it would have been right, last, right, year. It was last year. Well, I feel like we, we, we did a little compare and contrast on Horizon Zero Dawn and Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Uh, but no, so, right. At least Horizon has really good combat, and I feel like it does reward some of those systems better, even if not all of them. Yeah, and it, but we're it's let's not go too far. Down here, we're that not going to go too too far down that rabbit hole, right? So so basically, in its most elemental form, we have this idea of of progression. These these ideas of pr progression, um, both character progression and story progression narrative progression and reward that so it's the so the what's the reward i guess and how do you get it is sort of the idea right is that i mean gameplay should be rewarding is it a grind right. but is it a grind for something is, is it, it is it like i'm i'm playing uh i'm playing persona right now uh, persona 4 golden on vita so you go back the 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 dude that's in the thing. Well, I, I have no idea. I, I just, I, I can't even describe <laughs> it. So just accept that it's the dude that's in the thing. He's a, he's a teddy bear. He's hollow on the inside. Oh, Teddy. Teddy. Yeah. He's <laughs> hollow on the inside, and he is like your guide through the TV world where you fight all these in these all these dungeons. He'll call you back to say, oh, like something appeared in this other dungeon, and there's a there's a button you press Y to go into rush mode at the beginning of a fight, and then you just auto attack. And wipe everything out, and so that's sort of like some games. That's that's what the the progression is like. You just want to you want to have a rush mode. You always be able to run rush mode, rush mode, rush mode, rush mode, rush mode. But if you got Please. a rush mode, why is it even in there? That is the real question. That that is the real question, and that's that's a problem. But is this, it, if, if, if we're, we're leaving it, progression systems behind, I think we're, we're, no, we are leaving it. a little bit. But so, but is the progression just? I wish I had rush mode. Or is the progression, like you said, 
I, yeah, I can see you're pointing your finger at the timestamp on my thing. Because we can't just talk about something for 30 minutes. We have to talk for two hours. Which it's amazes me. I thought we would have actually been like, yeah, we don't have much to say about this. It? We'll be done in 30 minutes easy. This, no. There's actually been three and a half hours we've been talking, and Chris no. is going to edit it down to about an hour later. Oh, God. you got No, sorry. You guys are screwed. If we actually record three hours, you're listening to three hours. <laughs> Welcome to the Bombcast, everybody. <laughs> But, so no, but what you're saying though is 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 it is the gameplay one is the gameplay rewarding in and of itself is the is the act of progressing rewarding or is it just like a checkbox that you're ticking that you have to tick um, you know I have to do repeat this side mission five more times to do this thing and unlock this thing to get the reward and the reward isn't even really that great of a reward. It doesn't matter. And honestly, maybe more games need to do like the secret bosses like how Final Fantasy used to do because something that I was just thinking about, you want to know how Super Metroid rewards you for finding all of those missiles? It's easier to take down Ridley. Ridley requires a whole lot of missiles to take down (laughs) and it is possible to run out. Now, you can still use your plasma beam on him. I think you have to charge it up in order for it to do any damage. But if you got enough super missiles and regular missiles, you don't need to get that far. But that's the thing. It rewards you within the game's mandatory story. A lot of people today, there's all these cries about accessibility and all that stuff. So like Final Fantasy V, what did they do? The toughest, that was the first one where they, well, no, Final Fantasy IV kind of. But yeah. five was more scattered throughout the story where it's like, we're going to have these optional bosses that you might get a new summon. You might be able to get new equipment and gear. You might get a new spell. So, and, and these are the bosses that were all about testing how well you knew the job system, how well you're able to exploit the job system. So then you have like Final Fantasy VII where you have like ruby weapon and diamond weapon and stuff. Yeah. Maybe you can have your open world games where you have your secret, not on the map, bosses and destiny has them. You got oh, secret yeah. bosses in its own in its own way that everyone discovers within three hours and posts on Reddit. And but still. It's like something to build up towards. Like, okay, for the players that are really good, here's why you want to try and get everything, but don't make it a grind. Don't make it a grind. Just make it the secret. Like... Spider-Man easily could have had secret bosses that were like less like um Mephisto Mysterio Mysterio there's Mysterio okay there's also Mephisto in Marvel but well let's go with Mysterio that's the one with the glass head right yeah all right so a fish fish bowl head um make them a secret boss I mean you did have you had one secret boss we had Taskmaster who He's was, not secret. He's got icons on the on the map. That's but you what had I'm to saying. you had to complete all the icons to get. Yeah, I mean, how? And then eventually he fights you. And the, the, I mean, the it's not like Final Fantasy VII. You like see like Omega weapon just flying around everywhere. Like, hey, come fight me and get your Omega weapon. And that's the thing. Maybe at some point in the story, you suddenly see Mif- uh, Mysterio flying around. But see, I think we're also, like, what are you doing? We're we're getting a little bit off topic here because I think. I think the, the core point here isn't... That we that need we, to finish up? That we need secret bosses. The, the core point here... Rewarding is, stuff. Like, actually need, rewarding. Right. And you need the the process of getting 
the of progressing in the game needs to be rewarded. I think that's that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. Uh, what? It's an old wrestling reference. You know what? We're done. We're done. <laughs> we're done. We got to our bottom line. If you guys are even still listening, you understand what we're saying. Rewarding experiences. Skill trees aren't rewarding just because you say that. Repeating are. the same mission five times to unlock a thing isn't rewarding either. Ten times, twenty times, five times in each district uh, is not is not rewarding. Having to get three stars in a stupid Taskmaster or Screwball mission is not rewarding. Using your Witcher abilities to come up with a non-violent solution to a very violent situation is rewarding. Basically, go either go back and play Witcher 3, Breath of the Wild, or just play any of the good Zelda games or any of the good Metroid games again. And you will understand rewarding. Have so, a good night. Have a good night. Remember to check www.ramblepack64.com. Do you have any new reviews on the uh, prog yeah, I, I, the uh, yeah, I've been ready for the prog mind still. I had a, had a review up a couple weeks ago. So. so if you like prog rock metal, theprogmind.com. Look for Steve's stuff. And um, yeah, that should be it. Have so a, have a good night, everybody. Good.